Welcome to the Warrior Mindset Podcast. We are your guide as you make your way through life, getting better 1% every day. We believe that life is lived and true victory won through adversity. Nothing easy is ever worth it. We believe in the warrior ethos and support those that choose to walk that path. I was really interested in talking to you because of your boxing background and you know yeah. people that listen to the show know that i also own a gym and we do martial arts we don't do boxing but it's all kind of related i think sure um but i just wanted to talk through your story a little bit and then kind of you know pick your brain on some approach and some stuff that you've come yeah. through over the years um so you're born in north georgia and i noticed that you have some interesting parents yeah yeah right um, tell me so about yeah. so yeah about so uh family's from chicago and then they escaped Chicago, thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, for weather reasons and many other reasons. But anyway, uh, so my my father got into boxing when he was a teenager. Uh okay. because he was uh he he had an older brother, and his older brother was a little bit considered the favorite in the family, the one that was <laughs> the smart one that was gonna be successful. It's kind of how the older sibling works out, I think. Right, yeah. And so little Donnie was just like, his dad told him, hey, you know, how about you get a job at the post office? Like, that was literally his expectations oh, for man. him. Yeah. So, uh, and he had a, you know, kind of uh, abusive upbringing with, with his brother and everything else. And so mm -hmm. uh, in, in striving for, you know, personal growth and everything else, he got into wrestling first. And then uh, the coach, the wrestling coach wasn't, he didn't really get along with the wrestling coach for whatever reasons. And then he got into boxing. <laughs> and then he ended up having about 30 amateur fights in Chicago. He fought for the city title wow. and uh, had a, a great experience and learned a lot of lessons along that way. And, and during that time is what he talks about is uh, what he did talk about is no longer with us is that it gave him the discipline uh, and, you know, the mental fortitude and everything else through a lot of those lessons to go on to college and uh, get a PhD in neuroscience and become a clinical psychologist. Strong. And, yeah, so I grew up with that type of background. Uh, of And so he started boxing. He started coaching fighters back in maybe the early 80s, but wow. while practicing, right, mm -hmm. as a psychologist. Right. And uh, so boxing was always something in the background, but it's never something I was really super into. So my mom being an artist, I was far more into that. So was hmm. my sister. And, yeah, so we have a, a good mix of backgrounds. And then it wasn't until, you know, you being in the South, uh, you know, ticks are everywhere, uh -huh. right? And I grew up on 40 acres and I would play oh, outside by the creek all the time, get bit by ticks and never had a bullseye rash or anything. But my sister did go to the hospital for Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. Oh, With myself, it was nothing as a parent. And so then, but my health just started declining. Okay. Didn't know what the hell was wrong with me. And uh, then finally find out what was wrong. It was Lyme disease. And then in order to get my health back, that's where I went for the Field of Diamonds, which was in my own backyard, which was boxing. And because that was the antithesis of being 125 pounds and weak and sickly and carpal tunnel. Both what is what is Field of Diamonds? What is that? Is that a competition? Oh, so Field of Diamonds is an analogy from uh, from Conwell. I believe his name is. Mm. Uh, it's a book, I believe. But the story in short is there's a farmer in Africa, maybe 100 plus years ago, where he uh, hears about all the diamond mines they're discovering. And so he wow. sells his farm to go all across the continent. To try to you know discover the next diamond vein okay and then he ends up you know just dying and never finding something the person gotcha. that bought his farm walks down to the river one day finds a shiny rock and it turns out he actually was sitting on the greatest diamond mine in all of africa <laughs> oh man right i see what you're saying right so so you know, i was out pursuing before going into boxing you know i was really into music played guitar for many years and whatnot and mm. uh you know, so that was what I was going after. But then again, the field of diamonds in my own backyard was boxing, which is now what my life has been dedicated to for the past, you know, 15 plus years. Wow. And, and your dad introduced you to that boxing. Right. That's, That's right. so cool. That's so cool. I have two. Um, you have kids? Yeah, a little six-year-old girl. Cool. I have I have two sons and they're both, um, within the past three years, they've both gotten their black belts in uh, in wow. karate, which is the main martial art we practice. And yeah. um, dude, you, you're going to have so much fun later. Right. It's, it's so fun. It's so fun to watch them and to be the one that sort of introduced into that. And uh, I can I can only imagine how your dad felt once you got involved. Oh, yeah. in it's so cool. Oh, yeah. No, great experience. And that's where he and I became, you know, best friends. Right. For that period of time. And 
you know, some of the best times of his life and definitely in my life as well. Very cool. And so now you, you have a gym, you're coaching yeah. fighters, you're coaching active fighters. Yep, absolutely. That's so awesome. we just, we just had uh, last weekend, I was in Alabama. We had one of our guys win regional golden gloves for wow. his division. So he'll go on to nationals in a couple of weeks in Philadelphia. So yeah, about every year we produce a golden glove state champion from scratch. What we really specialize in gene is taking people from yeah. zero to some type of level of competency, right? Wow. Whether it's uh, just being better at it or competing or going on to maybe be a professional fighter. And uh, yeah, currently where we're at now, we have a couple corporate locations and we also have a few franchise locations. Wow. Tell me about that. Tell me about um, how'd you make, I want to talk to you about your fighters, but I also yeah, want, to, want to hear about how you transition from one location to multiple locations. And then I, I, I see that you are franchising right. your approach. And it's not just, a, it's not just like the brand name, but it's the actual like system. approach to training Absolutely. fighters. Mm -hmm. That's right. right. Yeah. So it came out of necessity of of scaling right because okay. if everything's leveraged on me as a coach i saw it not pay off with my father so my right. father he would always have this analogy of the golden handcuffs you ever hear that one yes you can't yeah. be everywhere at once right? right and so you have something good but it's it, it handcuffs you to it yes and so i wanted to do my best to make sure that didn't happen not that mm. it still doesn't happen uh mm. but yeah and so building out the systems building out a curriculum because also that's where you, you you increase the value of your coaching. It also, as I know you know from mentoring other you know instructors and what have you, sure. uh, it makes you a better coach. And when you systematize your you know the teachings that you were raised on and that also you have grown into, uh, it just it makes you more confident on many ways. Right. And so it increased my quality as a coach over the years, but then also increased the quality of our service and the consistency of our service. Because you know, like you know, nothing sucks more than maybe training and facility sometimes this happens with boxing gyms i see specifically you go to a boxing gym if there's a few coaches there you know like our one location athens has like six coaches so wow. if you go to one coach in a lot of these gyms they'll they'll teach you a certain way they'll even call things certain things and then you go to another coach in the same exact gym they'll right. call things something totally different and so right. boxing is very you know non uh standardized in a lot of ways right. like that Right. And so it causes a lot of challenges versus, you know, now that we have everybody, you know, over the past six plus years on our curriculum, on our system, everything is called the same thing. If you work with one coach, it's going to be a pretty darn similar experience to the right. other coach and That's the way cool. they're teaching and everything. It's very useful. Yeah. Uh, martial arts, the martial arts world is very similar. Um, yeah. It's like it's so many different systems and ways right. the teachers approach it. It's like it could kind of make your head spin. Right. Um, and right. so I think we're all kind of related that way. Well, tell me about how, how did you identify the, the thing I'm most interested in with this is that, so you've got a, you've got a gym, a series of gyms, mm -hmm. a business going and you have fighters, yeah. right? People who get in the ring and fight, right. but then you also have people that aren't that right. They're right. just like, they're just to get in shape. Um, like how do you bridge that gap between the two? Right. So, uh, a, a mentor of mine fairly early on helped me understand this concept. And that's that, and I think a lot of guys fall into this trap guys and gals that own a martial arts studio or a boxing gym is they, they want to, they want to appear tough. They want to show yeah. what, you know, that, you know, they're competent fighters and all that type of stuff. And in like this guy, Vernon told me years ago who ran two Krav Maga studios out in California He's like, man, dude, those people will come anyways, right? If you're like legitimate and right, you actually like right. decently coach, they'll come anyway. Like you don't have to like advertise, but who's not going to come anyways is the general public, right? right? So we have people that it's like I tell our staff all the time, and it's the truth is we've had people say to me and come up to us and be like, yeah, I've been thinking about coming here for a year, two years. <laughs> and finally, right. I, you know, saw an ad. Finally, I talked to somebody. Da, da, da. Finally, right. I met you and your wife at a restaurant. And then I decided, okay, I'll come in and check you guys out. <laughs> you don't seem like a whole bunch of weirdos. And so that's just like so important. And then also too, is like, you can't keep your promises to your current clients or to your fighters or anything else. Uh, if your business is not successful to, so to give you an example, there's, you know, we, there aren't that many boxing gyms around and right. even Georgia or wherever. So <clears throat> There's one that's closing down right now, I know, uh, near the Atlanta area. And mm. so it's like because that place, you know, it had a good coach. They they knew boxing very well, but it wasn't run as a 
a successful business. And so therefore, right. eventually it closes down. You see that all the time, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, you have to balance that. So is that just something you just have to sit your fighters down and say, like, look, you know, you have to help these people. You know, you, you have to be part of this culture. Right. They're not here to just, you know, they're not just target practice for you, you know. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, so the big thing that I preach, and I think it's so important for someone that wants to have a sustainable coaching practice of any type is uh, in the martial arts world, mm -hmm. in the boxing world, is <clears throat> I have seen so many coaches get uh, trapped up in the allure of somebody and that somebody oh, destroys man. their business, right? I'm sure you're thinking of probably wow. some situations you've seen like this. And so I, I've seen that play out so much where, you know, you got this guy that you're training that is like so dang talented, da, 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 and it's so easy for you to just get wrapped up in that person. But man, you turn around five years later, you've wasted a lot of time, you they, they, you know, and they're ready to be done. You know, yeah. maybe their time is up with, with fighting. And that's cool. Yeah. But now your business hasn't grown. Uh, your if anything has gone backwards. And then sometimes that individual that you're like holding up as your elite person, yeah. if they're not the right, if you don't cultivate the right attributes in them, then they're going to just turn off a bunch of people and uh, yeah. ruin the culture. So there's been times where I've had to remove sometimes my best fighters and part ways, you know, in a wow. professional sense okay. uh, because of making that call. And so like the analogy I use for all of our coaches so they understand is, hey, I don't care if a young Mike Tyson walks through that door. Uh, and again, nothing against Mike Tyson, but if a young right. Mike Tyson walks through that door as he was at that time, right? Ultra talent, da 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 da. But you know the character traits weren't there at that time, and right. he's going to destroy the culture. He's going to hurt people. Bah, 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 yeah. bah. It's going to be nothing but drama and trouble. Yeah. And so we're going to ask him to, you know, go check out somebody else. Right. Well, I'll ask you. I'll ask you your your opinion. You know, there's. Yes, there's not a lot of boxing gyms. There's a lot of like jujitsu studios and lots of karate dojos and lots of kickboxing right. things. Um, right. And I, I've, I feel like uh, the business I'm running is I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do is fill the gap between uh, just like fitness kickboxing, you know, where it's like turn on the trap music and we dance around and do, <laughs> and then like fighters. Like, right. like this is a gym where there's sharks, right. you know, right, they're right. trying to do that. And I'm trying to fill that gap where it's like, we do those things, but we do it light and we do it friendly. And this right. is what we're here to do. And we get in shape doing it. But you also learn those skills. I mean, do you, do you find yourself sort of like living in that world? Yeah, no, that's exactly. So yeah. how I represent our franchise proposition, but also, you know, just us as a model is, like you said, the gap, right? Mm -hmm. So articulate it specifically with boxing gyms. You know, you have the, the gritty boxing gym, hole in the wall, which is what yeah. I grew up in, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have the boutique uh, fitness wearing exercise, uh, wearing yeah. boxing gloves. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and there's a huge gap yeah. and there's a lot of people, men and women, both that they're like, dude, I want something that's like not the freaking trashy boxing gym where it's literally seriously dangerous. And everyone yeah. has a freaking attitude and they're yeah. bullies. Yeah. Um, not that all are like that, but a lot, no, are. but yeah, and, We're going with then, generalities. Yeah. Right. And then, and then you got the other one where it's like, you know, someone's just like, doing this on a bag yeah and like these starters like yeah dude go get it yeah. man <laughs> you're sweating yeah we won <laughs> so yeah i find that why do you think that is man what's your what's your read on that why do you think that's the culture that we deal with because well, i grew up that way too like yeah you know early on i mean I, I, the karate i studied it was a it was very clean it was done right but everything else i've ever tried it's always in like a like kind of sketch you know right well so <laughs> One thing is that think about combat sports in general, it, it really attracts probably two main types of people. Okay. So it has a type of person that wants, you know, some reasons I'm sure you got into it and mm -hmm. same with myself is, you know, you, you want to, you want to better yourself. You want to be more capable, more competent right. and have more competence or more confidence from that confidence. But then there's this other side of folks that do have success with combat sports as well. And sometimes people come for this reason and then they change later, but <laughs> is they actually like hurting people, right? Yeah. So they have a little bit of that, you know, and, and they, or maybe they like hurt on themselves. I've seen ma literally masochistic fighters that I've worked with in the past where they, they're a glutton for punishment in a sense. Yeah. And it's just really weird. So anyway, so you have those two extreme personalities and uh, yeah. And if you have too much of the ones and I just, I see it so often, you know, these, yeah. these, these guys and that want to be bullies, and want to uh, 
literally exploit other people. Also, too, another thing as far as the boxing round that maybe isn't there for the kickboxing and or maybe a little bit for kickboxing, but not so much for karate and jujitsu, is that um, there, there, you know, I'm I'm very much pro capitalism, but there is oh, yeah. a uh, but there's a a challenge when you have uh, a, a fighter that again, like I mentioned earlier, maybe you've sunk five years into and you want them to go pro and they want to go pro. And then you'll, you'll start doing things just differently uh, because you're, you're trying to make good on a financial investment and, uh, and you make yeah. a lot of mistakes. And, 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 and that's one thing, one reason why I took a couple steps back from pro boxing. Uh, some of my fight, uh, some people I was working with because it was too much, a little bit too much, not all of it, but a little bit too much of human exploitation. Right. Mm. You know, some of these small cards like in the southeast and stuff like that, where they're just bringing in people to get beat the hell out of. Uh, and I've literally seen people in the out of town dressing room who are, who are mentally disabled, disabled. And uh, yeah, they shouldn't be fighting and yeah. they shouldn't even be competing as a as an amateur or as a right. novice. Right. So. Well, that's kind of part of the that's kind of part of the business, though. Right. I mean, of yeah. kind of setting up a fighter if you're thinking. A year from now to try to get them where they where you want them to go you kind of set them up right you give them a sure sort of a trail of of wins oh yeah you got to progress them but there's of course yeah. there's like there's the right way to do it and it's probably the very right. capitalistic way you're talking right. about doing it. yeah and so it's like it's like similar with sales right it's like you know yeah. selling a service and there's certain ways that you say things and present things that are more effective at communicating and influencing, but yeah. that's different than scamming, right? Right. And so similar with this, it's like, yeah, like you're saying, there's a way you move a fighter, but it's like, dude, you don't need to be putting them up against someone who literally is yeah. like actually probably mentally retarded. So, yeah. You know. Yeah, that sucks. That's kind of <laughs> sad. The, but the, yeah, that's something the that, underbelly. It's everywhere right. though. It's not just the boxing industry. Yeah. Well, well, tell me a little bit about the experience that you've had growing from that. Well, tell me first about the first one you opened, the first gym you yeah. opened. What did that look like? Yeah. So the first one I opened, uh, <clears throat> I knew nothing about uh, it, anything besides boxing. So yeah. my only work experience is really working at like a Subway restaurant for about six months. And yeah. so I started off with purely the, the, the technician mindset, which is oftentimes I think what most like martial arts instructors and, yeah. and coaches do is they're like, okay, well, I'm pretty good at this, or I'm very good at this, whatever level it is, or maybe you think you're better than you actually are. And then <clears throat> you think that's going to make your business successful, right? Well, that's kind of how most people start their business is that I'll do it better than everyone else. Yep. Yep. That's their, that's what they're like. That's my competitive advantage. Like that's yeah. all I'm <laughs> and, me. I'm awesome. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's my marketing strategy and everything. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's how I started, but then, you know, very quickly realized that that wasn't enough and that, you know, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there uh it doesn't make a sound right and so if you don't mark it you know no one's going to know you're there right. no matter how good you are and so i started uh learning those aspects and everything else and fortunately my who would be my future wife and business partner uh was a part of my life and she uh lissa her name's lissa she actually mm -hmm. uh fought in uh 16 kickboxing and muay thai oh, fights man. and four mma fights and did two boxing fights under me and I saw so her she, name as a business partner, but I didn't know she was a fighter too. Yep, yep. We'll get so, into that in a second. Right, yeah, far <laughs> more accomplished fighter than I ever was. And so uh, it was actually during that time too that we also had to figure out what we were going to double down on because, you know, having her in my life was a great asset because she managed the gym for about nine years. So that really helped me get a lot of the basic systems mm. in in lockstep. And then her and I both had to grow together to grow the business. Right. Uh, but it was interesting because <clears> – <throat> Initially, you know, you start off as a boxing gym. People are like, oh, well, do you do this? Do you do that? Do you do Muay Thai? Da -da -da. Yeah. I know Lissa did Muay Thai. Are you guys right. going to do Muay Thai? Right. <laughs> so all this stuff you might hear. And uh, and thank goodness for her because I said, well, hey, you know, you've done these things. So you could you could yeah. teach it. You've instructed, we'll you know, classes at your old gym for this. And she's like, no, we're going to be like the best at boxing. And that was a super big call from her because that wow. set up the path for our business because our business would not be as scalable as it is if we right. were offering more of a buffet of options versus just one singular option that everybody can uh, so you know, focus is what you're going to hang your hat on. I dig it. That's right. You know, just like just like McDonald's, man. It's like McDonald's doesn't, you know, for for freaking 50 years, didn't sell anything besides hamburger, fries and a milkshake. Yeah. Man, so so what does it look like opening that second the second one? I mean, you, you've opened a couple in your franchise yeah. and things, but right. what does it look like to open that second one for you? S similar experience, I would say. The one yeah. thing is that I it was brought to light to me recently that when you build up one location, 
and you build up so much momentum mm. that you can put almost anybody that has certain attributes in the seats to keep the ship going. Right. And it will keep going for a while. So I really, this has really been revealed to me over the past, like kind of mm, 24 months mm. where I realized that I guess I, listen, I really got the ball rolling so dang hard on our first location that yeah. it just kept going and going and going and going. And then now it's like, okay, the, there's just a lot of momentum as well. There were great systems in place, but we have to make sure that we have the right people in the right seats and those people are mm -hmm. fed the right way to keep their progress going. Because man, like, you, you know, if, if, if the freaking car is going 60 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour, it will keep going. Even if you take the foot off the gas for quite a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so right. that was so, so putting the focus on another location, mm -hmm. you, you kind of see that effect happen, but we never even entertained franchising or anything else like that until we were basically out of our first business and we're, you know, just having it run by itself largely. And so that, okay. you know, that's the biggest mistake I think people make is that they're an operator in one business and they think, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do two and, you know, yeah. I'll split myself in half and, you know, that never works. Mm, right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty um, insightful. How did you come to that? I mean, what was, there had to be a moment where you were like, shit, I can't do like, we have to do it this way. Like, I mean, what was that sort of epiphany moment for you? Well, it was having our daughter. Really, okay. <laughs> was like the initial part, and so <clears throat> when, when when our daughter was born six years ago, you know, it was just my wife and I, and that was it. We had no other staff or anything, and mm. so she was running all the admin and front desk and doing some coaching, and I was doing all of the coaching. So you know, I mean, like you know, that's only so so sustainable for so long, and right. Um, right. yeah. So then, when my daughter was born, my wife started systematizing the front desk stuff and uh, some administrative work. We brought on our first couple of hires, which were, you know, it, we didn't vet them properly. We didn't train them properly. We didn't uh, lead them properly. And so, of course, it, it didn't work out very well. Um, we, we had, a, you know, one full-time person that, that ended up probably working out the best out of all of them. But, yeah, yeah so it was just a, a learning process along the way. And, uh, yeah, and then I started systematizing out the coaching portion because well, one thing that's a, a real big challenge, I was talking about this on another podcast, oh. but it's so, so true, is that uh, – when you are the main, you know, guy or gal in your business, it's not only your own ego that you have to like push aside, but it's everyone else's opinion of you that you have to put aside. Meaning, you know, it's easy for us to say, okay, well, I'm, I'm the best at coaching this or instructing this. So I need to be the one that does it all. And if you can kind of do some evaluation, you realize, okay, I can help other people be, you know, close to as good as I am or as good or better, hopefully. But what happens sometimes, what I experience is people were always so complimentary of our business back there in like 2015, 16 and whatnot. And they're like, well, man, Keith, this, this is so great. You know, this kept box is da, da, da. But it, too, too bad it's just because it's all because of you, right? And so it's just like, they would just like feed into this narrative of like, hey, Keith, like this place is great. It's because of you, it's great. But, you know, uh, and, and so it's like, a, it's like a limiting thing because in your head, you're trying to step aside a little bit. You're trying to put other people into these seats. Yeah. And, and you're just like, it will never work if I'm not in every place at one time. Yeah. yeah. And, your, and your clients are telling you like, man, you're so awesome. You're so great. And this place is great. And it's great because of you. And yeah. there's truth to that. But again, that's where the systems come in. If you yeah. have to replicate yourself hmm. and uh, it takes many iterations and, uh, uh, you know, finding the right people, but also like I said, onboarding mm -hmm. expectations and then continuing education. Well, I imagine there's a little bit of uh, bal of battling your own ego too. Yeah. Right. Like, right. like what about that? I mean, how do you, how did you get, I mean, was that a problem for you? Were you like, I have to be the one to do this because I'm the, I'm the man, you know, versus like, I have to turn this over. Like there's an entire location with someone else and a whole team of people doing it. And I have to right. trust that they're doing it. Like, how do you, how yeah. do you let that go enough? Yeah, well, I guess one thing is, you know, if you want to talk about the places where ego does service, right, because yeah. it's all a spectrum, is that the ego of, am I just going to be this one boxing coach guy that, yeah, sure, I'm great and whatnot, but right. again, I have the golden handcuff thing that I saw my father right, go through, right. or am I going to let my ego propel me to the next level where it's like, okay, now it's like, oh, look, Keith is successful, and he's not in there all the time coaching everything, right? So that served me in that regard. And, uh, and, and, uh, at the end of the day, it was, it was, it was defining what I was after, which was 
to grow what I do. And you can only grow so much with yes. just you. You know, even if you're uh, like, you know, these big brands that you see that are built around a personality, right. there are so many people behind that that support that structure. It's yeah. not just, you know, anybody you can name. It's not just them, right? There's literally a team behind them. Right. There has to be. Right. That's cool. So we on this show, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, goals, goal setting and personal like mantras, like your why, you know, like, Love it. like how do you, what, what's your, what's your personal mantra or your why? Like what, what gets you there? Yeah. Well, so probably the largest part of my motivation of, you know, and drive of why was being sick and, uh, and being, you know, we were, mm. I, was, I was basically, we were filing for disability at one point. Really? And so, yeah, I was, and I was practicing, I was, I was disabled. So how, how old were you when you solved that problem of, of being sick? I mean, you may, maybe yeah. you never have. From but I mean, sixth like grade, sixth grade to uh, onward. So sixth grade onward until, you know, about maybe 26 years of age, I finally wow. got good health. Yeah. Shit. So, yeah. And so I, and, and so I, I missed out on a lot. Thank goodness, yeah. because yeah. that gave me fuel, but so just the simple concept, Gene, of being able to work, right? The gift of work. And, and until you've had the gift of work taken away mm -hmm. from you, you sometimes don't appreciate it. And so people would always tell me, yeah. you know, when we first started off and I'm, I'm working, you know, 80 hours a week, every week, like, Keith, oh, you work so hard. And I'm like, oh man, I'm so grateful to work because I had so many years where, man, the weekend was just like the week, you just know? Wishing you could get out there and work, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and to have value and to yeah. uh, contribute. And so, that that was the why and that's where i've used that motivation and and when i tend to forget those times those struggles uh you know i slack off a little bit and then the last motivation too is that you know we are all gonna die and yeah. we all live too much like we aren't gonna die yeah and but at some point it's gonna be over and at some point you're gonna be near the end and what are you gonna have man and, and there's this one uh you've probably yeah. heard this one i stole this from ed Millette is where i first heard it but this, this, this simple idea and this concept that like when you die, what if you meet the person that is your actual actualization of your potential? Oh yeah. I right. Yeah. And so, and so man, like if, I've heard that if, described as true hell, right? Exactly. Yeah. Or it could be true heaven. Right. Well, Where it's hopefully. like, you want to be like, man, you're just like me. You know, I've been watching you and man, we're, we're like identical twins. And yeah. then hell is man. This guy is like nothing like me. Yeah. yeah. You should have got off the couch. You Right. Yeah. Right. Right, man. That's yeah. I, that's a cool one. Um, I've heard that one. Yeah, I didn't know it was where it came from, but yeah, I've, I've heard it described as true hell. Right. Um, well, how do you? I mean, I know you've got you've got that part right where you've, you know, that's sort of driving you. But even now, how do you? A lot of people I talk to, you know, I, I do coaching in the gym. I do some business coaching and stuff like that, yeah. and it winds up turning into just like life coaching. You know, most of course, because business is for most people, it's the synonymous with business with life right how do you balance your physical and mental well-being with all this business because i imagine you know having locations you're responsible for whether you're in there every day or not it's still stress right working on the franchising you, you're not just like set it and forget it i can already tell that about you right We're that's stress do, like and you got a wife and a kid i mean how do, how do you balance that with actually staying fit mentally fit not like in you know ready to just go into the woods and never come back out. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Uh, great point. So one thing is, is this sounds semantical, but remember Gene, that uh, when I did stop boxing because of a neck injury in 2010, I did consider tr trying to just take the bar to become a lawyer. So mm -hmm. I really do love semantical Whew. arguments and discussions, but uh, let me go semantical on you. So, yeah. And you've probably heard this is that it's not so much a balance. It really is an integration, right? So how do you integrate it? And one thing that's beautiful about this type of industry is that it's not restaurants, dude. Yeah, if I was doing freaking restaurants and I was trying to balance my health and fitness, good freaking luck, dude. Good yeah. luck, right? But here I am if if I'm at a location or if I'm like, quote, unquote, stuck, right? Because we're never yeah. stuck. But if, I, if I'm, you know, in a smaller mindset thinking, oh, man, I'm stuck. I have to be here at this one place or whatever. Dude, I mean, yeah. there's, there's stuff around, you know, there's stuff around to work out. I'm in a flipping, you know, gym. Yeah. Like in a gym. You know, yeah. Yeah. It's like, dude, it's like osmosis that it's like gonna, it should have an effect on me. Uh, and then also as well, the, when you set yourself up to have other people have expectations of you. Right. So mm. I, 
I'm in a position where if I really just start going downhill hard physically yeah. with my health, uh, and it's because of something I can control, then I mean, man, what's that articulating to everybody else? So having that peer pressure around you is so important. And that's also the last thing too. What I love about working with fighters and things like that is that, and also just general public that are improving their health is that, man, like you, the, the average of the five people you're around, you know, that type of concept. Yeah. yeah. If I'm, if I'm around a bunch of these freaking 20 year olds and whatnot, and they're in amazing shape, best shape of their life, <laughs> da, 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 and they're maybe best in the, you know, best in the region and whatever, dude, yeah. that can't help but rub off on my reflexes, my time, and right. my, how right. I hold myself and how I move myself. And also yeah. last thing, how I perceive, right? So when I was living in Mexico with my father and boxing down there, we were around a lot of expats, right? Former, you know, Americans that moved down there. Yep. And, you know, these people, they're adventurous. That's why they moved out of the United States yeah. to go live somewhere else and, and have that type of life. But they're older. They're in their 60s. But their mindset was like they're freaking like 25. And so to yeah. see that, I was like, ah, dude, it's like, man, when you're old, it. it's like, one, you're not moving. Two, your mindset, you're just having this mindset of I'm, I'm an old person now, right? I love it. That's awesome. Spoken like a true fighter, man. <laughs> what was, what was the, what's, the, what's the difference between, I mean, obviously, other than the, you know, straightforward things we could see on TV, what's the difference between boxing in Mexico and boxing in America? I mean, what's it, what's it like? That's a great question. Yeah, so now, okay, so now over the past Yeah, then versus years, now too, I guess. Right. So over the past 10 or so years with social media and whatnot, yeah. the answer I'm about to give you is changing, right? Sure. But generally, though, in Mexico, it's a very, very macho culture. It's very much like mm -hmm. old school America, mm -hmm. right? And there's a lot of positives to that. So right. it's this idea of you know manliness. And so these guys down there, they default right to just banging back and oh, forth, right. back and forth. I've, I've heard that. That's why. I'm right. And so like literally everybody, not everybody, but almost everybody, they're just, so what I was used to going down there is I, I have like, I have like some power. And so I was used to hitting somebody hard up here. And even if they're a good fighter, you know, depending who they are, they're going to get on the bicycle. They're going to move around a little bit and make it difficult yeah. for me to unload on them. Right. Cause they're smart. They're right. going to try to catch right. me coming in and whatnot. Right. So now nah, with these guys, a lot of them, you just, you hit them hard. They're standing right in front of you. And then they're just going to hit you right back hard. And then you'll hit them hard again, clean. And you're like, dude, like, isn't that going to shut you up for a second? No, they're like, boom, boom, boom. You're like, nope. you, bro. And it's so, it's so it, it, that's one way to beat uh, someone that, you know, thinks they're a hard hitter is to take their best shot and come right back at them because it, it's just like, yeah. it's, it's deflating. Uh, so that's one thing is that that idea of like, you know, the Mexican fighter just standing there, playing it with the feet and not even right. barely moving their head. They just have their hands kind of just up. And yeah, then they're just kind of taking it. Right. Yeah. The, the punches are hitting their glove and hitting their head. Uh, That's the and vision now, I have when I think of Mexican fighter. It's like, bam, 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 bam. Right. No, exactly. Yeah. And that's where, unfortunately, that's not made for a long career, right? It's it's <laughs> yeah. entertaining, entertaining, but it's yeah. just uh, or can be. But frankly, I just got yeah. bored even watching any of it as well because yeah. uh, it's just it's so basic. Now, yeah. over the past ten or so years, like for instance, the, the two-time national heavyweight champion in Mexico that I had the fortune of sparring with multiple times, uh, Elder nice. Hernandez. He uh, he boxed different than all that. Okay. He boxed like Muhammad Ali. And that's why he was kind of like this like skinny fat guy that's 210 yeah. pounds beating up everybody in the whole country of Mexico because he was just moving around, dancing around and giving them something that would frustrate them but would win. Right. And right. Uh, so, yeah, so in the States, you see a lot more diversity in styles uh, and more focus on technique generally. And Mexico, gotcha. it's a little bit more of that macho now. That paradigm has shifted, though, especially also with the with like Canelo Alvarez and people like that who have uh, kind of just highlighted more of the technical side. And with yeah. Instagram and, and YouTube and everything else, man, you don't have these regional styles anymore the, or these national styles so much. Right. Yeah. You know, you can yeah, yeah, copy yeah. what someone's doing in Ukraine and someone in Ukraine can yeah. copy what someone does in Philadelphia. And, you know, it's all getting close to the same. Everyone's taking the best parts of all those styles. Yeah, we, we see that a lot in jujitsu. It's where it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, I watched a YouTube video. And then you're like, what? You know, <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. some guy from wherever, like, well, yeah, you watched a YouTube video, but you really know it. You know, it's a different right. thing. 
Right. Yeah. It's true. But simply that exposure. So, you know, as you're progressing as a fighter, being able to just watch film of different yeah. fighters. Because, again, think about it. Go back, rewind the tape back to 1960, right? So yeah. if you're going to freaking watch fights, you can only watch, like, the big fights on TV. And sure, they were every week. But you yeah. see those fighters, and then you see the fighters in your gym. And then when you go to competition, you see those fighters. So it was legitimate that like, hey, if you are in uh, the Midwest and then you mm -hmm. go down to like, you know, I don't know, go down to Mexico, you wouldn't have necessarily seen that style and vice versa. Right. Right. It makes sense. That's interesting. What other uh, I mean, that's fascinating if we think about it, because we because we're just kind of going through our day. Right. We're not like thinking about like, hey, this is the impact of technology on everything we do. But it's right. really there. I mean, where else have you seen that? What? How have you leveraged some of that in your own franchising? What are some of the things you're doing? Hmm. Well, it's a really open-ended question, Gene. Yeah, yeah. It's see. very open-ended. Hmm. Well, <laughs> leverage it in terms of marketing, right? Because that's sure. the uh, yeah. that's the easiest way. But also, you know, it's been cool. You know, with our with our YouTube channel and things like that. Yeah. I have people in Bangladesh doing some of our like sequences and combos and pad drills awesome. and things like that and sending me a video and whatnot. So that's been really cool. Uh, and that's you know, nowadays cool. you're able to, well, it's like I did this morning actually where I put up a Instagram cause we're going to do a seminar probably coming up sometime and put up a, a poll. It's like, what do you want a seminar okay. on? Like this, this, yeah. this, or that. And already it's kind of really showing that one of them is more wanted. And I was like, man, I never would have mm -hmm. guessed that it was like that one. That's cool. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know about you. When I was first coming up through all this random stuff I was doing, we didn't. It was just like, I do what that guy tells me, you know, and that's it. And he did what his guy told him, you know, right. and that's that's like that's it. Um, it is pretty cool. I think I don't know my personal opinion. It, it can dilute some things. You know, uh, I don't know if you see that, too. Like, I mean, you're, yeah. you're talking about some dude in Bangladesh sending you something, but like. You know, how do you discern what's actually real or what's quality, you know, and how do you communicate that without being negative, you know? Ooh, I mean, I'm and sure that's the big caveat is, yeah, without being negative, right? And that's one of the key. Yeah, I see that you know, so much and it drives me up a wall. Yeah. Like, uh, we don't have to tear each other down, you know? We, we can be, like, I'll show you what's good by showing you what's good. Right. I'm not going to tell you what's good by telling you this guy's crap. That's that's my personal approach. Right. Um, oh, no, exactly. Know, it just drives yeah. me crazy. Well, one thing, one thing I've learned with boxing in general is that, and it's helped me, I believe, be a more effective coach and mentor to coaches, but is that there are no absolutes, right? So it's an art for a reason. It's yeah. martial arts. And the term right. sweet science is <clears throat> not a correct term. It's not a science. Uh, right. It's, it is an art form. And just like art, it operates in the realm of physics, right? Mm. If I'm going to freaking do a sculpture you know, I I do have to like take into account gravity. You know, if it just falls over, it's not really a sculpture. I mean, it's going to be on the ground. <laughs> so same, so same thing with this. And so that's where I used to make the rookie mistake of, you know, absolute speaking, right? And also yeah. in my general life, which is a big challenge. But, you know, to let people know like, hey, if you do this type of thing, I'll give you an example. Uh, let's say one of my guys coming along. Well, and I have this experience too. But like, let's say uh, one of my guys coming along only knows how to fight going forward. Right. And mm. they're like, well, man, that's just what I, that's what I do. And I do it well. And I win fights that way. And I'm like, well, Hey, you know, eventually you may come across somebody and I can give them some examples uh, that they would know of people that are going to be able to stand right there with you and you need to yeah, maybe move, yeah. or maybe they're going to push you back or they're going to have an answer for this specific thing that you're doing. And I want to properly prepare you as a coach so that you are ready to resolve that. If it ever does come, and a great right. example of that recently over the past couple of years is uh, Deontay Wilder. You know what I'm talking about? I've heard the name. Okay, so he's a heavyweight champion. He had a piece of the yep. heavyweight title. He's out of Birmingham, Alabama. Okay. And, you know, he's, he's a good guy. And he's, uh, 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 you know, he, he has a champion's heart and he has a power of a champion. But the, like, the way Teddy Atlas would say, it's like he has a great eraser, right? So uh, he has that power. So therefore, it's very easy for him as an athlete, mm -hmm. very easy, I think, for the people around him uh, to be trying to tell him stuff. And he's like, well, I did knock him out. So yeah. what does it matter? <laughs> so he literally yeah. was just knocking everybody out. And then finally, right. he faces somebody like Tyson Fury, 
that can take his best punch and and uh, come yeah. back. And now he has to actually fall back down on his boxing technique, which is not as yeah. much as it could be or should be at that yeah. level. And so that's where I'll use examples like that to help demonstrate to people. It's like, hey, look, dude, like, sure, you have a great this or great that or a great chin. But hey, man, you know, Ali had a great chin. I don't want you to yep. end up like Ali. I don't want you to rely on that. I want you to be true. like the guy, let's say Mayweather or let's say uh, even, uh, you know, just these different fighters, uh, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, who yeah. they weren't yeah. just like, I'm going to rely on my jaw and my personal fortitude to take punishment i'm going to rely on my athleticism my technique and everything right. else so that you have that as a backup you know that's yeah you have a 40-year career right right and well and also like as a fighter you know if i'm a fighter and i have great defense and offense and if i'm tough that's the toughness should be the last resort it should be when something breaks right. through the castle walls i have yeah. that reserve but man, it shouldn't be my first thing of like, okay, let me like make sure I'm tough first or let me rely on toughness and have no defense and everything else. What a great analogy for business too. Right. You know, it exists there too. I, I, I feel like so many people in business, they rely on that, right? They rely on the fact that like, well, I'll just stay up all night, you know, or I'll right. just keep grinding. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's good. You're going to need that. But also you need to be a little smart too. Like you need to study mm -hmm. and you need to get ahead of that. Like if you're always in that position where you're always on your heels, staying up all night, crunching deadlines, like you're not doing something right. Right. You know? Well, and, and I mean, you know, one way I like to say it, like you're saying with the work ethic uh, portion or with the toughness portion and fighting, that is a requirement to show up to the party. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like you got, you got to, you got to, yeah, you got to be driven. Like, yeah, you can have all the skills uh, in business or all the knowledge. And if you're not driven and have work ethic, it's not worth anything. Um, mm. And same thing as a fighter. You can be in great shape and you can be tough, but you cannot have the skills to take you to the next level and it's not going to be worth anything. Or you can have all the skills and not be driven and not be in conditioning and that's worthless as well. So it's what's required to show up to the party. <laughs> no kidding. And you can't coach that. Right. You cannot. You cannot. It's like, and now, you see it. it's like there or it's not. Right. It's there or it's not. And that's where it's like that one gentleman I was talking about that, you know, uh, won uh, the regional tournament. Yeah. He uh, was telling me about his first time sparring back in 2020, and he never got punched in the face before. You know, he played <laughs> baseball. Yeah. He played baseball. He's always been athletic. And, uh, and one thing interesting, side note, is that him being a smaller athlete, about 132 pounds, uh, you know, a lot of sports like baseball and football and, and basketball, he's way too small for. So that's what's cool about mm -hmm. martial arts is it's, it gives you a pathway to uh, use right. your athleticism uh, against your own weight class, of course, or people around yeah, your size. That's true. Now, the second thing, though, is that he was telling me, yeah, so I didn't know, coach, if I was going to be one of those people that that cower when I get hit, right, freeze up when I get hit, or if I'm one of those people that hit back. And he ended up being very much one of those type of people that just hit back automatically. <laughs> and uh, so that's what's so beautiful, like, you know, about martial arts is you learn that about yourself. And then, like you said, it's not coachable. You can't coach it. But within somebody in, and within themselves, I think there is that possibility. So yeah. I'll give you an example with myself. So when I started boxing uh, as an, as a, you know, 17 years, years of age, I, uh, yeah. I, I was a little bit of I would take the punishment but I wouldn't deliver it back. So I had to learn how to mm. like, like get it back, you know, versus like just, nice okay. I, mm. Right. Right. So mm. I just had this like attitude of like, Oh, I'm going to stay here. I'm, I'm going to be immovable, but you mm. are going to get a lot of shots against me. <laughs> and I'm not necessarily going to get you back quick enough. So like, right. kind of training that attitude. And then the last thing too, similar to what I talked about with the two types of personalities with, you know, combat sports and boxing and everything else, I had to cultivate a little bit more of that killer. Right. So, I would hit somebody hard. I would work up to the point of it's like they're about to get knocked out. They're about to get stopped. But then I would kind yeah. of have this little back off, right? This turn off switch that we have as, you know, modern, you know, socialized humans, which is a good thing. Right. Uh, but to be able to, in that conditional situation, being able to turn it on and go past mm. that without emotion, without anger, without anything right. and execute, you know, like a sniper executes. And uh, that's yeah, how yeah, the yeah. mindset I had to adopt is I had to be like a sniper where it's like, you can't be emotional about that kill, but you have to do that kill for the betterment of, you know, right. everything else. Right.
what a tightrope to walk coaching people that right. do that versus people that don't do that, man. Right. Exactly. Man. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to tell you, uh, something and then I want to get an example from you. So, okay. uh, and you touched on it. One of my favorite moments in, in teaching people and coaching people is what you were just talking about. That moment when they, they're, you, you, and you kind of craft this scenario, right? Which is why it's so rewarding. You craft this thing and you put them in this crucible or whatever it is. And then, then they see that they're like, I'm not failing. My training works and it mm -hmm. sort of clicks. That's my favorite. That's what gets me out of bed is to do that. Right. And to, to see that moment in someone, what is one of your favorite things? Like what is one of the thing that gets you like excited? Hmm. Cause you makes the hair on your arm stand up. Well, I mean, really, we do talk about the coaching aspect. Yeah, yeah, or I mean, yeah. whatever, coaching, fighting. Well, we'll stick, we'll living, stick on the coaching, picking aspect. your daughter up from school, whatever it is. <laughs> so I think when when someone can put the pieces together themselves, yeah. right? Okay, because that's what we're all striving for, and that's been a, a a big pivot point for me over the past, you know, maybe eight years, is. Uh, as a coach, whether it's, you know, you're, you're mentoring business owners or, or fighters or, or your, your family is that yeah. when they're able to, because of what you've hopefully helped them understand and the knowledge that you've passed on to them, they're able to make the judgment call and yeah. make the right one and make one that's better that's than cool. you could. Yeah. And so I, 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 I did not have a lot of success as a fighter, but I'm happy to say I've, I've produced many people who have gone far beyond I where I was. And so being able to distill that into them and, you know, one of the, or, or the ideal situation I always describe to our guys that are uh, elite is I, I want to be in the corner and just be, be cheerleading. And I know that sounds wrong. Cause it's like, you know, you hear a lot of times yeah. people say, Oh man, all that coach does is cheerlead. Well, if all your dude is doing it is right. You can just cheerlead them. Right. Yeah. So I don't want to be in a position where I'm like in the corner trying to like correct some major strategical flaw you have. You made <laughs> you a know? mistake so I I just, earlier. Right. Right. Exactly. And so I just want to be like, man, there you go. There you go. That's right. Boom. Right. Just like that. Keep that up. That's all I want to be saying. And that's uh, so awesome. that's that's one of the biggest thrills is, man. You, and, you know, you see that person go on to be an independent uh, entity, which is what I think any great coach strives for is that. You build up that person so they're self-reliant. They don't they don't rely on you as a coach anymore. And that's what I'm happy to say with uh you know a lot of our higher level athletes. They can train by themselves. I can rely on them to be on condition. I don't have to stand over them. And it's it's taking a level of me minimizing my tolerance on people that don't. And that's again one thing for anyone that's starting a martial arts studio or a boxing studio or or at a different level at it or wherever, is when you foster that type of environment. When you get enough momentum with it, it will actually attract people. You'll attract better people. And mm. like what has been described to me by a lot of our fighters now uh, is that, hey, it's like you realize it's an honor to get the opportunity to compete, to get the opportunity yeah. to fight, to represent the facility and things like that. So therefore, you take that seriously in all ways by being a good team member by uh, of other uh, members who are way less than you, you know, and by by being prepared and doing everything you need to do because you realize that it is, it's not a given that you get the opportunity to do that. And people that appreciate, everybody appreciates the positive and supportive environment. Uh, and the only time you don't is when you haven't literally done enough deep thinking and you're too wrapped up in your ego. And I see these fighters sometimes that they'll go from gym to gym because they want to be top dog. But mm. oftentimes though, in that journey of trying to find a place where you can be top dog, they continually go to lower and lower and lower and lower places and uh, smaller and smaller gyms with lesser and lesser good competitors and whatnot. And eventually mm. they aren't top dog of anything. Right. Big fish, small pond. I think right. that's a great Testament. That's a great Testament. What we we're talking about earlier, where you are mentally with your own personal career and that, I mean, you're genuinely finding like enjoyment out of it. I mean, that, that's a good lesson for all of us. I think is, um, using that ego to get you there right a applying it to like i my ego is going to drive me to make this bigger than me but also letting it go a little bit to realize it's okay right. if it's bigger than you you don't have That's to be right. the center of the universe because you kind of will still wind up being the center of the universe you know yeah. what i mean like you're still, right. the, you're still the one shifting the gears you know like come on that's right it. 
and and also too, like you know, you can't control what other people say about you, but you can't oh. control what you think about yourself. And so I, I, I and it's something that fortunately I don't think about a lot. Maybe at some point I will. And so I always need to be mindful of it. But don't be wrapped up how much accolades you're getting or how much you're not getting, right? And just know that you're doing the best job you can do, and that you know with enough time or whatever, you just know that you're you're making a positive effect, whether or not that person ever knows it or not. And that's one of the journeys of, of being a father too. You know, like how you are, yeah. is that <clears throat> your kids might not ever appreciate everything you've done for them. Yeah, and that's okay because that's not yep. why you do. It. <laughs> that's right, man. I didn't fully appreciate my father until you know I was like. 35, almost 40 years old, you know? Right. And then I was like, damn, you know, he's done a lot, you know, and now I see it because I've got kids that are, you know, becoming adults and stuff and I see it, you know, and I'm like, shit, I wish right. I'd have seen that when I was 10, you know? Right. Uh, but that's, right. that's life, man. That's called maturity, you know? That's right. Well, dude, that was an awesome conversation. I would love to do it again. I have, a, I have like a hundred other things I would love to talk to you about. Um, so I'll challenge you. Let's do it again. Yeah, 100%. Jay, love to. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, well, thank you. I will make sure and give everyone uh, in the post and stuff links to find you, your YouTube channel and all that stuff. But for the sake of those audio listeners, where can people find you at? Yeah, so look us up, uh, Kepner Boxing on YouTube. Uh, we have about maybe 4,000 subscribers and have a lot of good content Ooh. on there. And then uh, go to our website, kepnerboxing.com. Uh, it's something if someone wants to maybe expand depending what type of business they own want to maybe uh plug a boxing curriculum into their martial arts facility that's something we do as well so we do a lot of different things just kind of reach out have a conversation at the very least maybe walk away with you know at least some thoughts and tips that i might have for somebody uh and uh, then also find me on instagram as well i see you know you have a great instagram as well uh, but uh coach keith kepner and uh, that's where I post boxing stuff, but also similar to yourself, Jane, some motivational stuff and philosophical <laughs> I've things. Seen it. I've, I've seen it. It was stuff. good. It's good stuff. Definitely Thanks, check him out on Instagram. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.